Welcome, James, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. It's a, you know, you're working a lot on Octant and I see you pushing that out and, you know, helping the public goods arena, which is much needed in crypto. But the whole thing that I want to know about in crypto is you, James. <laughs> the first thing I want to know is, you know, where were you when you even first heard about like Bitcoin or Ethereum, anything about crypto? Yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. So, um, uh, around 2009, I moved to Silicon Valley and I uh, was going to school there, but also teaching yoga and meditation, um, for, for quite a long time. And, um, you know, being, being that I wasn't making the most money, uh, teaching yoga and meditation, especially earlier on, um, I had a bunch of roommates and, uh, one of those roommates was a very interesting character and he was the one who, who kind of exposed me to, to crypto in general. But the, the funny story about that was the way I found out about Ethereum was he, um, he had came home flustered one day, uh, after spending the day on, on Stanford's campus. And he was really, really angry as he was walking up the stairs and, and I asked him why. And he, he said he got into a, a giant shouting match. Um, with a Stanford economics professor uh, right in the middle of campus about um, wow. how the, the, the Stanford econo economics professor was telling him how Bitcoin and Ethereum was uh, a waste of time. It was never going to amount to anything uh, that the, that crypto in general was just a giant joke. And um, he, he, he took that really personally, I guess, and, and got really flustered with it. And so when he was telling me the story, you know, I'd obviously heard of Bitcoin um, this was back in 2014, I think. And so I'd never heard of Ethereum though. So, um, this is obviously when, when Ethereum was really, you know, it was a really new idea and, uh, he, he started taking me down the rabbit hole with it and then, you know, pushed me to, to buy some, you know, really early on, I think it was only a couple dollars a, a token at the time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I first got introduced to, to, I guess the, the broader crypto ecosystem or just knowing anything beyond like. Bitcoin and Silk Road and, and all that stuff going on. So when your friend was trying to explain or taking you down the rabbit hole uh, of Ethereum, were you automatically seeing the light? Like, were you seeing what he was seeing or were you trying to like steel man the case for the professor and kind of? Yeah, uh, I saw potential there because, you know, by 2014, you know, if, if you had been following Bitcoin at all, you saw like this massive rise um, back in, I think it was 2012. Uh, before the Mt. Gox um, uh, issue, mm -hmm. and so I know that I knew there was. I, I always had the back of my mind like there was potential there. I just kind of missed the boat, so to speak. Um, and this idea of a supercomputer or like this this upgradability that um, allowed for smart contracts and just you know a much broader sort of uh, potential with with crypto and and what he was describing to me as as Ethereum that. That seemed really, really interesting to me. But, um, you know, I, I was a yoga meditation teacher. I wasn't, uh, you know, really heavy into the tech. So I didn't quite understand it, but I could tell that there was something there for sure. Yeah. And so you came from a yoga meditation background. Did you also have any tech background? Were you all just like interested in tech at that point? Mm. Yeah, I mean, like basic stuff. Like I knew how to build a computer. Um, I had done like basic programming uh, for my major. So uh, funny story, I, I actually come from a uh, meteorology and climate science background. So math, math and physics were really, always really interesting to me. 
um, especially growing up as a kid on the East Coast and, you know, waking up to, you know, feet of snow and not having to go to school for a week for, for whatever reason, my inner child just really like gravitated towards that. Um, so that was, a uh, something that was really interesting to me when I was a lot younger. And, and so with that came, you know, programming in Python and, and Fortran, I remember uh, Fortran, but, um, yeah, so, so beyond just, you know, basic, um, uh, you know, data manipulation and, and making graphs, uh, for, for that field, um, I wouldn't really call myself a, a tech guy much at all. Then, then you, I guess your first experience was just investing into it. But I mean, now we know that you're working in crypto. What was that transition like? You were in college, you're learning about crypto, you're investing, you're seeing your money, you know, hopefully gain and not lose at that time. <laughs> um, but what, what got you into saying, I want to be in crypto full time, or if I could be in full time? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's a really funny story. So I was um, learning more about crypto starting probably around like 2016. After the DAO hack, I realized, uh, I don't know if Ethereum is going to make it. Obviously, that was a, a bad decision in hindsight. <laughs> um, so, sold my <laughs> sold my ETH, obviously, a little, little prematurely there. Um, but I was looking around at, at a lot of different projects. And this one project called Golem really caught my eye. It was, it was one of the first uh, crowdfunding projects before the, the ICO mania in uh, 2017. And so just as a community member, I really gravitated towards that project and was was um, one of the most vocal community members there. Um, and along the way, uh, Golem had um, some some hiccups, I guess you could say. And, and uh, what I was realizing um, probably about a year or two ago is that a lot of my the yoga meditation that I was teaching, you know, I thought I was like giving this... Um, or sharing this practice with a lot of other people. And I was in a sense, but really the, I think the most important aspect for me was the, the personal growth that I had received from, from teaching it, you know, that there was definitely a lot of things um, that I got out of that uh, as, as far as, you know, uh, leveling up and, and um, being in better control of my emotions and, and how I was like interacting with, with uh, various relationships. And so I say that because uh, I wasn't the nicest person uh, in that community <laughs> when I was first interacting. And uh, the, the, the leadership at Golem definitely knew who I was on a first name basis. Um, I was a pain in their ass, like a big pain in their ass. And so um, fast forward <laughs> to 2021, um, Golem had gone through this, this uh, evolution of sorts. They were kind of redefining how um, the, the project was going to evolve. There was actually a split to where Golem Factory and Golem Foundation became two separate entities. And, um, I was still a pain in the ass for, for both sides, I guess you could say. Um, the leadership on Gol Golem Foundation side had actually went and hired, um, a PR and communication agency to in part help them with people like me. Um, <laughs> so this woman who, um, had heard about me went back and read all of these like extremely long-winded posts on Reddit, these long diatribes that I, that I was um, writing, just like pleading my case about, you know, things I thought that they should be changing. And um, she went back to leadership after reading a lot of this stuff and was like, Hey, you know, this guy's kind of passionate and he kind of has some points. You guys should yeah. hire him. And uh, that's smart. 
That's the is right that, move. I wish I could have. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> wish I could have seen seen the look on Julian's face, who, who's leading um, Golden Foundation. I wish I could have seen the look on his face when she first pitched <laughs> this idea, because I can only imagine the 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 dropping of his face to to such a suggestion. Because, like I said, I was I was a giant pain in their ass. So um, I don't think they're really keen on the idea at first, but she kept working on him and. Um, as she started to make inroads about them being potentially open to the idea, she came in and pitched the idea to me as well. You know, hey, would you would you be interested in in um, working for us? And yeah, I mean, it 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 really excited me. Like actually being able to go from a community member to being on the inside and and maybe being like that voice of the the community that had um, for so long maybe felt like kind of shut out from the conversation, at least in part. Um, yeah, that really excited me. And so they reluctantly, maybe not reluctantly, but um, <laughs> they, they, they offered me the opportunity, but they definitely dipped their toe in the water. Um, they, yeah. they, they, you know, just, just, just testing it out, so to speak. And so they, they offered me a part-time opportunity. And um, over the course of that first year, uh, it's, it started in January, February of 2021. Um, yeah, I'd done really well. So um, that, Wait, maybe it was 2022. Sorry, I'm getting my dates mixed up. But um, it's crypto. Yeah, the, the, There's no dates. <laughs> yeah, right. T t time flies. And so, um, yeah, it, it it worked out really well. I, I uh, you know, we got a lot of things done in in that first year, and um, I was also recruiting uh, in Web three um, for that first year uh, to kind of make make up for income and and also um, working in another aspect of Web three that that opened my eyes to to a lot of things and was really valuable for me at the time. But um, March of this past year, uh, they were really happy with what they were seeing, and, and Octant was was really needing more more uh, attention than than what we were giving it previously. So they they offered me a full time role, and yeah, I've been really happy ever since. This has been my dream job, so so really excited to be here. Hell yeah, that's awesome. It's a it's a great story because there's so many times I tell people who want to get into Web three, get into crypto. I'm like, you just have to find a project that you're passionate about and be as active as possible and contribute quality details and information or uh, feedback, constructive feedback to help them realize that they might need someone like you because you're seeing it through a different lens and different perspective. And it looks like it's been a positive sum for Golem. So that's awesome to hear. <laughs> uh, but I also have to learn like more about how yeah, your yoga and meditation and then you giving feedback to Golem, like, were there ever times during your meditations you were thinking, I need to say this in a more lighthearted way or a more <laughs> constructive way? Or I, again, I didn't read your posts, but I'm kind of wondering how your um, spirituality might have helped or not helped things that you have said or what you've learned from it at least. Well, the, the reason I had mentioned all that is because um, I had a lot of work to do. And so that work was uh, showing itself when I was communicating to these guys um, about things that I thought needed to change. Uh, like I said, I wasn't doing it in the healthiest of ways. And I think that's what created a lot of the friction early on within the relationship that I had with the team. Um, regardless if you're right, you know, it's not a... Um, it's not a welcome. You're not going to be very welcomed if, if you're an asshole about it. So um, that was that was a big learning experience for me. And and uh, I think early on, even you know later on in in my practice when I was teaching yoga, 
uh, I was missing a lot of the subtle stuff that that practice really teaches. And um, a lot of those things tend to revolve around this idea of being right and wrong. Um, you know, our, our, our mind is, is set up in a way that, that defines things uh, in, in this manner when uh, really the, the, the definition of being mindful is to, to be able to understand there's like a, a, a wide variety of perspectives to, to consider in that um, it's, it's generally not like a, uh, an issue of one or the other. There, there's uh, a spectrum to consider there. And I wasn't really seeing it, seeing it like that for a long time. And so when you think you're right and you think someone else is wrong um, and not being able to communicate that in a healthy way, yeah, I, I wasn't doing myself any favors there. And I can totally understand why they were reluctant to, um, uh, to bring me on board for sure. I, I probably would have, you know, sitting in this chair now, I probably would have been a little reluctant to bring somebody like me uh, at that time on onto the team as well. That's a great point that you're you're pointing out right now is because, especially now, like in crypto Twitter, it's such a battle of right and of wrong. There is no middle ground of understanding <laughs> each other. Um, and now that you're, again, more publicly involved and more vocal, how do you go about handling just your social media in terms of trying to educate people on Golem, on Ethereum, on different blockchains, and kind of also what kind of advice you would give to people who are trying to voice their opinion online, but also not come out such so strong-willed and try to, you know, get a <laughs> constructive flow going? Yeah, uh, I've been having a lot of conversations like this in the background with with people from different teams, including Gitcoin. You know, Gitcoin's a prime example of um, some hypocrisy that I see kind of on the internet right now, especially in crypto Twitter, where you had this issue where they took money from from Shell, and people were really upset about that. Um, and I, I see these same people complaining that crypto Twitter isn't a better place. And so it's coming back to this idea of mindfulness, right? Like the, there's, um, there's a wide variety of perspective to, to consider. And um, there's a, there's a saying within, you know, different uh, uh, personal growth practices in that, you know, where your attention goes, energy flows. And so I saw a lot of people, in one sense, saying that they wanted this place where they're interacting all the time to be a better place to be more uplifting. And then at the same token, they're taking easy cheap shots front at Gitcoin for this one thing when you could be focusing on the fact that they've funded thousands of individuals and projects uh, to the tune of 50 plus million dollars, which has resulted in like $29 billion in impact. But, you know, we, we want to focus on the on the $500,000 from Shell. And in the same token, you're typing all this from a MacBook that was uh, built in a factory that has, you know, nets around it so people can't jump out and kill themselves because the working conditions are so bad or, you know, the batteries are coming yeah. from child mines in, in Africa. So it's like, you know, guys, it, like, <laughs> there has to be a broader sort of understanding here and that you guys are more or less picking winners and losers and being judge and jury without, you know, considering these broader perspectives that the majority of people from that, that round in Gitcoin chose to take Shell's money. So like that money, then um, I think we can all agree at least in part went to some, some positivity. Um, so, you know, you know, going back to, to the, the bigger question that you were talking about, how do I deal with all of it? It's, it's work. Um, 
the the spiritual practice that I that I take in for for myself is that um, any opportunity where I'm I'm noticing something that's upsetting me that's that's an opportunity to to grow, and so crypto Twitter is a great place to to grow if if you look at it through that lens because there's plenty of people who are are dishing out you know conversations that. I, I would love to bite on and I, I do occasionally every now and then and, and it, you know, trips me up, it catches me up. But um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, how I approach it is, is that kind of perspective of like um, being able to step back, understanding when, when um, maybe I'm getting triggered or, or getting upset about something and, and recognizing that not only am I rep- representing myself, I'm also representing um, my, my team and my project. So uh, there's more responsibility there. And, and I think that that also beyond my spiritual practice, you know, keeps me in check. Exactly. And it's, it's hard to remember to look at the broader perspective of things, because like you said, people quickly take whatever shot they can get to become rewarded with a like or a retweet, whatever feeds the algorithm. And the ones that are as, uh unbiased as possible like the comments that are unbiased and constructive doesn't get engagement and i'm like that that makes perfect sense why is no one saying what their that person is saying i'm like liking that post and it's just right doesn't get anywhere and it's it's sad because even even people that i follow that are that are like you know top influencers in crypto who are good and for the most part um they get caught into it too it's just being negative and unhelpful and i'm like this what you say about crypto or ethereum is great like it's logically and rational perfect perfect rationality but then you go ahead and just start telling people to like delete their account and they just shouldn't be here i'm like all right it's not helpful it's not going to help anybody but then i don't know it's like it's part of the reason why i started wholesome crypto right is try to get people more on that side of you know talk to them as if they're right in front of you and see how you would uh, actually react. That's yeah, that's a really good point. I think that was something that got me tripped up with with um, my team when I was still just a community member. Is like you you forget there's a human on the other side of that, and and Twitter is really powerful in in kind of dehumanizing the conversation. Um, yeah. You know, there's that stat. I think it's like eighty or ninety percent of communication is nonverbal. So when you're missing all these like. Wow subtle things that that don't take place when you're just keyboarding at one another it, it definitely affects the, the the conversation and um yeah i i i agree with that i think um uh, re- recognizing that and uh, you know just hopefully championing the idea that that people have like an opportunity to do more work on themselves you know it's it's becoming a, a bigger problem that i don't think people are willing to have conversations with other people that they don't agree with um and generally when that happens um that that's how things get solved is like through conversation and understanding other people's perspectives and so when you know all this censoring and and shaming and and all this stuff kind of goes on it it it, um it it detracts from that so um yeah i don't know hopefully you know some of these new web3 products that are getting built like farcaster and lens and and you know whatever else that that um conversation starts rolling into as, as web three gets built out, hopefully it's uh, inspiring more of that and less of what you know happens on Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah. I see that in Farcaster happening. Um, as you're working in web three now, I always like to question or wonder how does your family and friends 
view your work? Do they understand what you're doing or do you kind of just say, I'm working in crypto and don't bother me with too many questions? Yeah, I've tried to explain it in a way, like what's the the phrase that like a, nor- a normie would understand? This yeah. is advice and, for me. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I didn't really understand the whole normie stuff um, until I went home for Christmas last year and I tried to explain what I was doing and I just got these looks on my face like, one, they thought what I was doing was a scam that I was like working alongside of, of Sam Bankman. And then, oh man. Um, and then, uh, another part of it was just like, they just didn't understand it at all. And, um, pretty much what I tried to tell them now is like, you know, there's just like money. Um, it's, it's the intention of what people do with it. So like, there's people doing good things with money. There's people doing, you know, things that are, that are not so good with money. Um, and obviously negativity sells. And so like, there's been a lot of stories where, you know, the news, you know, just kind of rails away at the the negative stuff going on, but I work in a side of crypto that is, um, trying to change the pers- the perception of crypto for the better by, by doing some really good things with it. So I guess that's the best way I can explain it to people. <laughs> Do you ever intentionally put yourself out of the crypto bubble to kind of ground you into reality of mainstream? Yeah, I think the holidays are really good for that. So like, you know, going <laughs> home and, and, and talking to people that have no idea what, uh, what anything is about. And um, it makes you yeah, realize things like, yeah, totally. And, you know, I bring that back to conversations that I'm having um, with with uh, people within our ecosystem. Like they're they're writing all these things about, oh, you know, let's bring on the next billion users. And, you know, they write these articles that that talk. I, there was a really good post the other day that just talks about how we're super um, we're, we're really, really deep in using our own lingo. Uh, but then we talk with that lingo we're expecting people from the outside to like come in and feel welcome and warm and it's like there is a giant wall or learning curve if somebody wanted to get involved in this space and, and really understand it uh beyond just a superficial level and we're not doing ourselves any favors yet we're having all these talks about oh how are we going to bring on the next billion users and it's just yeah. completely going over our head like between the UX issues and the communication issues that I think our ecosystem has to be able to do that. So I think we'll get better with that in time, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny right now that, that uh, I think everyone in our ecosystem is just kind of drinking its own Kool-Aid and not, not seeing the bigger picture. <laughs> it scares me sometimes. So I'm like, we still have to figure out UX before we can do anything further, but. I, I had this conversation the other day. This guy was like, I, I, I created a meme that was pretty much dunking on all these talks about bringing on the next billion users. And he's like, <laughs> What, what what do you mean? Like we have all the rails now. Like why can't the the next billion users be brought on? I was like, man, I just had to sign three transactions on my MetaMask wallet to trade one token, and then I had to uh, uh, do another couple transactions just to like move it from an L1 to an L2. Tell me how somebody who has no idea anything of what I just said is going to be able to do all that. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I guess I kind of see your point. <laughs> but it's like you, they're not thinking about this because they're so deep into the, the, the knowledge that they already have that they don't understand. People do not understand this stuff at all. And, it, and if you just use the wrong browser, it's also game over. It's just like, <laughs> I, I made a TikTok, like just me going through using MetaMask and Chrome is just not recognizing it. I'm like, it's right there. Why don't you see it? It's, I'm having it yeah. installed in my extensions. It's, it's not, it's user-friendly enough for maybe us to get it, but it's just, it's not 
mainstream. Even going on Coinbase itself, that's the best it's going to get for now. And that's still a little yeah. bit difficult. It's still kind of scary looking at those charts as like the first thing you do when you enter crypto. Just, just, it's not, totally. it's not super intuitive. Until I think until people get paid in crypto, like your salary job gives you an option to get paid in like USDC or Ethereum or Bitcoin, whatever it is. Like that's when people will start really gravitating towards it. Until then, it's still an investment vehicle. Yeah. And I think once like, once there's actually D apps that go beyond DeFi and, and I mean, there's some right now, like, you know, different storage solutions and stuff, and those are getting built out. But I think like once some like really killer apps are up and running and it like the, the crypto side of it is extremely um, smooth to where you barely even notice that you're, you're using crypto. Um, that's, that's when I really think it'll take off as well. And, and um, hopefully some solutions are coming around the corner with all that, but exactly. we'll see. Yeah. So and now you're in, um, so we'll go back into your times alliance. So you're 2020, 2021, 2022. You're in Golem. When did uh, Octant come to life? How was that born? And what is it? Yeah. Um, so first to describe Octant, it's, um, there's a lot of different aspects to it. So, so I think that the easiest way to understand it is it, it's a project that aims to elevate the ecosystem uh, and on a couple different fronts. And so, um, the the first front is is funding of public goods via community decision making. So the the community um, is able to uh, leverage a matching pool should they want to be able to donate to to different public goods projects. Um, another mid to long term goal of the project is to um, be able to experiment with different tools and, and tech to figure out what kind of coordination mechanisms actually work. Because uh, a lot of people talk about this right now. The the um, setups for the vast majority of DAOs is like a, a snapshot and a multisig. And um, the, I, I think a lot of different ecosystems are really, you know, they, they use what is um, known and comfortable rather than going and experimenting themselves. So uh, I, the, the Octane project would really like to figure out some some more um, like a wider variety of, of of things that work that can contribute to to uh, better decision making of, of communities to contribute to higher uh, voting turnout. You know, a, a lot of different things that that plague DAOs at the moment. Uh, Octane would like to be able to solve that in a way by by having empirical data of what, like what works and what doesn't work. So. Um, Experimenting on one side and and funding of public goods on the other side is is what the project is about. Um, and so how how it all got started is uh, Golem back in 2016 had one of the the most successful crowdfunding rounds that there was. It was like I said before, it was um, a round that that took place before the ICO mania in 2017. So um, they raised 820,000 ETH in 30 minutes and uh, have been sitting on that treasury ever since. Um, as I also alluded to back in 2019, the, the project, because it was sitting on so much capital, decided to, to uh, split so that they could um, divide and conquer, so to speak, you know, taking on more um, ideas and initiatives without uh, distracting from the, the core or the initial mission, which was a, a peer-to-peer marketplace for computing power. So um, that's, how, that's how Golem Foundation got started, was to, to look into other... Um, avenues to to enhance the glm ecosystem besides that that initial project and so uh, 
proof of stake has always been, you know, something that's been talked about for a really long time. Um, and with uh, Golden Foundation sitting on a really large ETH treasury, um, when when proof of stake actually um, uh, came to fruition, that's when things really started to heat up for for Octon. You know, we we had some ideas about it initially, but uh, until proof of stake actually came out, we weren't going to be able to run with anything. And so um, the the idea really started to pick up steam. I would say last year around August of, of 2022. Uh, and then as we got closer and closer to proof of stake, things really started to, to move. And, and then, um, yeah, we, we uh, were able to successfully test 64 validators uh, back in June, maybe July. And then once we realized that our uh, over-the-top security setup uh, with Cubes OS hardened boxes for our solo validators worked, um, that's when they threw the rest of the... 3,125 validators I think that we have online right now into the into the queue and so they they went live in in August and that's when the Octon launched and so um, yeah we're, we're running through um, the the first full round of, of uh, Octon right now the first epoch where it, which generates rewards just closed back on October 19th and now we're into the 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 first allocation window when users get to decide um, where they want their funds to go. So can you explain to me as a new user who's has, I guess, some extra golem from the, from the, uh, I guess, ICO and then, or the fundraising and then has, wants to participate somehow in public good. What would my step-by-step process be in logging on to Octant app and what would I do? Yeah, like? so if if you're coming from the the the, the crowdfund way back in in 2016, you might still need to migrate your your token. So since Golem or GLM is sorry, Golem, Golem's initial token was GNT. Um, that was a token that predated ERC20. Uh, that's how old we, old we are. <laughs> so uh, we had to because we wanted to be able to have our, our token participate in DeFi and, and uh, a lot of other things that weren't really possible with the, uh, with the initial token, we had to migrate that token from, from its, its um, old setup to, to ERC 20. And so there was a migration that took place either in 2019, 2020, somewhere around there um, that uh, it moved it from the GNT token to the GLM token. And so if you haven't done that yet, there's still like a, around 20 to 25% of the token, the total supply, um, like 250 million tokens that haven't been migrated yet. So it's a really easy, easy process. You just got to migrate them over. Um, takes, takes about 20 minutes to do from, from beginning to end. But yeah, if you haven't migrated your tokens, you need to do that. Um, there's YouTube videos on, on how to walk you through that. Um, and then once you have the, the GLM token, which is ERC20, um, you can then go to Optin and you can lock your tokens into the Octane smart contract. Now, what that does for you is it generates Ethereum rewards proportional to um, our staking setup and um, relative to, to how many you lock in. So we have a billion tokens in total supply um, that you're going to be receiving an Ethereum reward proportional um, to what you lock in proportional to, to the total supply. So if you lock in uh, a million tokens, you're going to be getting... Um, what is that like? Point one percent of the, the the staking rewards that 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 will be generating. So, um, yeah, every ninety days you're going to be receiving this reward, and then 
what you do with that reward is, is what we're really interested in. So you have the ability to keep it for yourself. There are some people who are using Octane as a uh, passive income generator. Um, but what we're hoping to inspire is donating part or all of that reward to the public goods projects that are participating in each round. And so um, we have a, um, a matching pool that is set up. The, the, the whole rewards setup is, is, is determined by how much of the, the GLM token we have locked into the Octane contract. And then um, rewards are split up into two. There's, there's user rewards that are linear. And they, they go to our users. Um, and then there's a matching pool rewards that are, um, uh, again, defined by uh, the, the, the size of the pool is defined by how much of the, the native token that we have locked in. So um, right now, to give you an example, we have, I think, about 15% of the total supply locked in. And this round, um, we have about a little over 100 ETH going to our users uh, if they claim it. And then we have uh, about 228, 229 ETH that are going to be going to the public goods projects. And so um, it's really interesting. So th we, we have a, a predefined amount that's going to be going to public goods. And so the more um, self-interested that users are, um, meaning that they, they uh, the more that users want to keep rewards for themselves, the more leverage the few users who end up donating, the, the, the more the multiplier is. So like if only one person donates and everybody else keeps their rewards, that one person was able to effectively leverage the entire matching pool. So, um, you know, if they donate um, 0.1 ETH to a couple of different projects, then 228 ETH, um, depending on like how they, you know, the percentages of how they allocate that, that, that also is going to be going to all the projects that they specifically donate. Now, the more you have people donating, the more it's, it's um, uh, dependent upon um, how all of those users end up deciding where, where they want to donate. And so uh, that's why we're really excited about it is, is one that this effective leverage, at least for this first round is really, really high. It's probably going to go down next round, but I think it's like right around um, a, a multiplier of 40. So whatever users decide to donate their, their donations are, are multiplied by, um, uh, 40, which is pretty That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the other reason why we're really excited about Octane, and it comes back more to this like idea of sustainability and that, um, the, a lot of these other platforms require you to take some, some capital from yourself and then you go and donate it. And then the, um, donations that you make are, are leveraged by their their matching pool. You know, you can take Gitcoin or ClearFund or, or Giveth, for example, um, and they do this quite well. Like the the, um, the quadratic funding mechanisms that they have, they allow you to leverage a um, uh, a donation pretty pretty well. Um, but you have to donate. You have to take capital each time they run around and and donate it. And and so with Octin, it's it's just a one time buy in. Um, you just have to. Uh, to buy your GLM token once, lock it into the Octane contract, and then you're going to continuously receive rewards for as long as you want to play the game, so to speak. And, um, you know, say you want to run through three or four rounds, and then you want to take your GLM tokens and sell them or go and uh, provide liquidity on, on uh, Uniswap, something like that. You can, you can do that. So um, it's, it's essentially like a, I don't want to call it a loan, but it's it's you're you're loaning yourself the ability to play the game and, and receive rewards from from Octane, and then as soon as you want to be done playing the game, you can take that capital and, and move move on your merry way. 
Um, so, so uh, as long as the, the token doesn't drop in price, you know, it's already pretty low. So as long as it doesn't drop in price, you, you're not really losing any money, so to speak. It's just, it, it requires a little bit of capital to, to lock into the contract to, to play the game. But it's this idea of sustainability that we're, we're really excited about. And, um, you know, uh, couple that with a, with a really neat way of, of leveraging this, this matching pool. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited to, to see where things go after, the, after these next few rounds. This is awesome because you definitely incorporate a lot of game theory where everyone can win in the situation. And especially their projects that are providing public goods. Like I, 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 worked, looked, I looked over the Epoch um, finals and I saw some projects receiving over 30 ETH, which is a significant amount of money, especially what we hope ETH will become in price and value. Right. Um, that's really great. And a lot of projects that I follow are getting them. So it's awesome. And I'm also going to, I think there's a few more days left to um, distribute your funds. So I'm happy to do that. And I can't wait to get that done. Um, and it sounds like you are doing a lot of work in this. And I'm wondering, since crypto is a 24-7 industry, how are you handling yourself in this industry that's constantly asking more out of you? Yeah. Um our team has grown a little bit. We we brought somebody else on to to help, and um, we're we're thinking about uh, maybe expanding elsewhere as well. Um, I have a really good way of personally balancing work and um, um, being centered and and you know taking time for for myself. Uh, I will say that as things have gotten ramped up, I've been spending more time with work just because I'm excited about it. This is the first time I, I think I've had a job where. I was just really excited to go to work, which sounds really foreign and strange to me, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. Uh, this past week, you know, I was working 10 or 12 hours a day, but it didn't really seem like that. Yeah. Um, but it's also helping me recognize really how valuable time is because uh, with other jobs, I would kind of slack off and play video games or, you know, not, not really stay focused on, on um, stuff that I should have been getting done or it could have been getting done that, that may maybe would have contributed to, to better outcomes. But um, it just wasn't a passion of mine. Like recruit, recruiting, for example, is, is one of those um, things that um, it was fun, but it, it, it wasn't a passion. And so the fact that I'm in this passion now definitely helps. Uh, the fact that I live pretty close to the beach in San Diego, that helps. So um, staying committed to, you know, personal practices like breathing, yoga, meditation, and then also, you know, taking a little time to go to the beach and, um, you know, having a good group of friends around me. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, just staying balanced, uh, definitely contributes to, to being able to execute at a high level. Yeah. It's a tough industry to stay balanced too, because you can get so quickly absorbed and not even recognized, like you're saying 10 to 12 hours a day and it didn't wasn't even like a didn't even feel like it was and with crypto it's easy to get sucked into it all day and you kind of have to remind yourself to take a breath and like exercise and go outside look at the sun smell the roses yeah and then come back into it with a fresh cleaner uh new mindset it's tough definitely i'm glad you're yeah. i'm glad you're finding your way because it's a uh, it's definitely needed um and for people who are like first getting into crypto i kind of want to also know like what is your advice for someone who's trying to you know get in in this for the first time mm, i would say be wary of who you get your information from mm. uh there's a lot of influencers 
out there that are, I don't know. <laughs> I, I watched this, uh, this account on TikTok or sorry, not, um, not TikTok uh, on Twitter. That is uh, TikTok investors, TTI. Uh, uh, and it, it is just a really good way to encapsulate. If, if you haven't seen the account, it's like one of the funniest accounts I've, I've come across, but it's essentially just a bunch of people who really don't have a clue of what they're talking about, giving financial advice to people. And I think that account is a really good way to highlight that um, social media has given a voice to everybody, but you really want to be mindful about who you are believing and who you're taking advice from. Um, so um, in that regard, doing a lot of research, asking a lot of questions, being skeptical, I think is a really good way to, to start. Um, because at the end of the day, you could lose a lot of money. I know a lot of people have lost a lot of money. And I think it was just because they are eager to get in early rather than getting in and understanding the ecosystem correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, even that that was me back in 2015, 2016. You know, I, I think I, I let my emotions get the best of me. And which is, you know, one of the things when you're trading, you really want to learn how to uh, cup, come to terms with. And uh, when the Dow hack happened, um, you know, I, I got really emotional about it. It really scared me. And so then I lose uh, or I sell a bunch of ETH that ends up being really valuable later in life. So um, we all have yeah, that story. I, we all have yeah. that story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Deb, you know, I look at every every um, challenge or, or um, you know, thing that's happened in my life. is If you can look at it through the correct lens, it's a learning opportunity, right? So that, that's definitely contributed to um, bettering myself and, and, um, how to approach things moving forward. So, you know, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm still doing fine regardless. Um, but yeah, just being really skeptical about where you get your information from and, and, um, yeah, uh, within that regard, I, I would really search out people that, that seem like aligned value aligned, uh, with, with you. Like if you're just trying to get rich quick, you know, there's plenty of people that, that can help you get rich quick, you might also lose your money. But if you really want to, um, you know, dive into where there's more value alignment beyond the superficial uh, aspect of, of, you know, getting rich quick, then, you know, find those people. I think the green pill community is a really good uh, example of that. There's, there's other ones as well. Um, and yeah, listening to, to podcasts like this one that, that, you know, can, can cover information that um, will, will give you more confidence. And um, uh, I guess, you know, diving into the ecosystem with a, with a uh, better sense of what you're, you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Uh, brings, brings me to my next question, which is what is your crypto pet peeve? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. So many. I uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't share a couple of them uh, because okay. it'll get me into trouble. <laughs> um, I will say that my pet peeve for um, my pet peeve is definitely people that want their hand held in asking questions when the information is right uh, there in front of them. Um, that a simple, a, if they, t- if, if somebody were to take, you know, I see this all the time. If you were to take uh, five minutes of effort, um, before you ask a question, your, your question would have been answered. Um, people really just want to be spoon fed, um, uh, the information that they're, that they're wondering. And I'm, I'm not sure if there's, if it's the social aspect or if it's a, a laziness aspect of it, maybe it's both. Um, but 
I used to be really lazy. And so that's also my personal work is like accepting that there are people out there that, that, um, uh, maybe still growing. Have... Still growing. Yeah. 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 There, there's <laughs> the motivation for sure. Yeah. Ho- hopefully inspiring more motivation to be self, uh, autonomous and, and, um, uh, being able to, to, um, do things on your own rather than, you know, relying on other people. That's a tough, yeah, it's a tough one too, for me, because I used to be a community manager and you get the same question a hundred times a day and you're like, yeah, ah, it's, it's right over here. It's in the FAQs, man. It's in the facts. Like just, just read it. And you have to, and again, I was like managing a team. So you have to like tell your team, these people have never seen anything related to our project before they're everyone's new everyone's individual you can't treat the system as a whole you gotta treat them as unique yeah. individuals every time that's kind of my advice to anyone who's a community mod and trying to keep it cool and keep it centered when answering all these questions because you just have to treat them as individual every time it's the only way if you ever have frustration take a breather Oh, totally. Yeah. I, uh, you, you said that really well. And I think in our community, we do, we definitely do that. Um, I just, yeah, I try to hold their hand now in sharing where they can find that information rather than exactly. you know, taking, taking, taking the extra time myself to, to spoon feed it to them. But yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Um, what can people look forward to for Octon and Golem? Um, well, a lot of things. So our dev team has been working on Octant V2, which has a lot of exciting features that are going to be rolling out over the coming months and years. Um, we have some ideas about how we're going to really begin to empower the, the community, uh, within our project. And I'm really excited about that. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be sharing more about that in the, in the coming weeks. Um, and then leadership has been working diligently on how to bring in more capital to Octon. So rewards are going to be going up a lot more as well. So a lot of different things um, uh, across a variety of fronts that, that, um, that really excite me. So um, I've been telling everybody like, this is just the beginning. Uh, You know, we, we, we wanted to start off uh, simple and straightforward, but uh, our, our team is awesome. I can't give them enough credit for, for all of the amazing things that they've been doing. And, that, you know, uh, I wish I could share more. This, you know, this information was always something that I, as a community member, wanted as, as early and as quickly as possible. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we got some good stuff coming around the corner. And uh, hopefully I'm going to get the... I think leadership is, is into this idea. Golem used to do these AMAs back on Reddit way back in the day. Um, and I really, really liked it because it, it kind of created this uh, more intimate um, relationship between the community and the, and the team. And so um, I think we're, we're going to start uh, doing something like that in the, uh, in the near future here to where the community can, can probe us on, on some of the stuff that I just highlighted a moment ago. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And if, and if somebody, I guess if a uh, company, open source company, public good, wants to sign up to Octant to receive funds, you know, what's the criteria to be able to do that? Yeah, so um, checking out the docs, there's a there's a section within our docs which are is at uh, docs.octant.app. Um, there's a there's a section in there called proposal project um, that is very open and um, uh, accessible for for projects that would consider themselves a public good. We're actually going to probably be refining this a little bit because we're noticing that. Um, 
there are projects like Gitcoin and Optimism that are having some issues with, you know, what is con- what constitutes a public good. Um, you know, the, it's a it's a really hard thing to balance yeah. uh, being credibly neutral and also protecting yourself from grifters. And mm-hmm. we're we're recognizing that as well. Uh, so we're we might be tightening our our um, uh, criteria just a little bit to make sure that we're we're protecting ourselves from from grifters. But more or less, we we still plan to remain credibly credibly neutral. If you are a public goods project that that is interested in getting funding from Octant, then yeah, head to our docs and and check out like what the the eligibility criteria is. And if you're interested, if you need more information, um, yeah, both Mateus and I are are in our discord regularly. So we're happy to answer any questions there. Nice. Um, sweet. And then definitely I'm going to ask the last question of, you know, what is your favorite wholesome crypto moment? Something in crypto that happened to you or you witnessed that made you feel like you're proud and happy and like warm inside for just being in it. Yeah. I think for me, it was, um, the amount of support that went to Ukraine uh, right when the war kicked off, mm-hmm. that was really cool to see uh, a large amount of money really quickly going right to the hands of the people that needed it. And um, right around that same time, I saw uh, some conversations, I forget where on Reddit, but people were dunking on crypto unrelated to what was going on with Ukraine. And it was like, here is this, perfect example of how um crypto can be you know a net positive for for uh, a terrible situation so um i think that was a, a really great way of maybe opening the the eyes of people who are or um maybe you know negative around crypto and and actually uh shifting their perspective a little bit um that that, that was definitely like a big one for me for sure yeah that's a great use case too because that's Living in America, it's so hard to recognize the use case of crypto just because we're able to move money. And as much as we almost want to freely and for free, um, we have a pretty reliable government that won't hold our money hostage for as long as we know. But in so many other countries, it's it's tough. And to move money between countries, it's really difficult. So that's such a perfect case. And it goes right to the hands, like you said, of the people that you know and trust and that you want to give it to without the worry of some middlemen stopping you, stopping you in between. Totally. And I mean, it, it was even uh, for, for us as a team, it was even more than that just because m- the majority of my team is in Poland. And so mm. um, they were really supportive, you know, actually being um, some boots on the ground and, and going to the border and, and helping people. Wow. Uh, there and then also our our blockchain lead is Ukrainian and so um, it just you know it, it touches home a little bit more for for our team just because you know they have these intimate relationships uh, with with uh, the country of Ukraine and and what's going on there so yeah just you know we're really happy to see that happen and and yeah it's definitely something I, I view for for crypto in, in a positive light absolutely and yeah yeah thank you james for joining me on this show and episode it was great learning more about you great learning more about octant and i'm excited for v2 i'm excited for what you grow into what you develop so thank you again and um i'll catch you around yeah thanks so much for having me man this has been a lot of fun